Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Turn with me in your Bible to uh, the 14th chapter of John this morning. John chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 11. John 14, 11. Jesus said, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Uh, themselves. He was talking about his miracle works, his marvelous works of power when he said that. Then in verse number 12, he said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, works than these he will do because I go to my father. Notice, he said, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. It's it's very important to, to note that he didn't say apostles or prophets or evangelists or pastors or teachers or deacons or ushers. He didn't specify any particular class of believer. He said, he who believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Well, that that includes all of us. According to this, according to what Jesus said, believers like you and me, are to do his works, can do his works, and are instructed to do his works. Well, can we do them? That was a little weak. Can we do them? I won't ask the next question, but that, that question is good enough. Can we do them? Yes, we can. We're, we're in, the master said we could. He not only said we would, he could, we could. He said we would do them. He who believes on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. Well, praise the Lord. Well, if we're going to do, maybe one reason why we haven't done the works uh, as fully as we should have I started, my other question was, how many of you are doing the works of Christ? But maybe one reason why believers don't do the works that he did, other than not believing this. You know, there's a whole lot of unbelieving believers. In in fact, the church world is full of people who are believers in Christ, but they don't believe what he said about a lot of things. They don't really believe all of the New Testament. 
They've written off large portions of the New Testament and, and, and large portions of what Jesus did and relegated it to another time. But he, he brought this down today. He said, he who believes in me. Well, we still have people today who believe in him. He said, the works that I do shall he do also. Well, praise the Lord. So one of the reasons why we, perhaps, we don't, people today don't do the works of Christ is they don't believe it. But I think the other thing is, is we don't know exactly how he did them. We don't understand, and, and it's just a matter of not looking into the Bible. It's just a matter of not reading for yourself. But we very often, we don't, we're not conscious of how Jesus did the works that he did. Well, if, if we're going to do the works he did, we're going to have to do them the way he did them. <laughs> I mean, we're not going to do, do the works he did some other way. And you know, there are a lot of people in the church who believe that. In other words, for, or for instance, uh, the healing of the sick, there are a lot of people believe, well, today, that's accomplished through the medical professions. So we're doing the works of Christ by building hospitals and, and, and training nurses and doctors. Well, uh, hospitals and nurses and doctors are good, wonderful. Well, uh, the Apostle Paul had a, had a physician as his traveling uh, companion and wrote two books in the New Testament. So God's not against hospitals and doctors and medicine. We're all in favor of that. But that's not how Jesus ministered to the sick. Amen. He didn't carry any tonics with him. Amen. He didn't have a, 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 a medical investi- you know, a, a examination tent. And, that's, and people there to treat people. That's not how he did it. Well, if a, if a lot of the church world uh, thinks we're going to do it some other way, uh, the fact is they're not getting it done. We're, we're thankful for all that medical uh, science has accomplished and all that can do, but those aren't the, those aren't the works of Christ. Amen. So if we're going to do his works, we're going to we're gonna have to know how he did them and do the same thing he did. Well, praise the Lord. How did Jesus heal the sick? Go with me to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. When Peter was preaching for the first time to the Gentiles uh, in the house of Cornelius, he made this statement in verse, in, uh, this is Acts 10, let's start in verse 37. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. Now, make note of that statement. That this word and this ministry of Christ began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. So we're going to go back and look at what happened uh, uh, concerning the baptism which John preached and how that affected Christ. But here he goes on to say how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. One way Jesus ministered to the sick 
One of the most outstanding ways that Jesus ministered to the sick was by ministering the healing anointed, anointing that he was anointed with. It says right here, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Well, what kind of power was it? It had to have been healing power because he tells us in the next part of that verse who went about doing good and healing. So the anointing that came upon Jesus, now he was anointed to do other things. He was anointed to preach and and other things and to teach and other things. But here it's talking about how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and healing power. (coughs) Jesus operated in a tangible healing anointing. Have you ever noticed, maybe this has occurred to you, maybe it hasn't. If you go through the New Testament, you'll notice that Jesus never one time ever prayed for a sick person. He never prayed for anybody to be healed. You you research it. Jesus did not pray for the sick. Now, we are instructed to pray for the sick. James chapter uh, four, I think it is, uh, 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 pray for one another that you may be healed. So we are specifically told to pray for the sick. And besides that, we're told whatever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive it. That's for yourself. But also if two of you agree as touching anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father. Jesus said, that's the prayer of agreement. That would certainly include healing. So it's scriptural, it's right, it's New Testament doctrine, it's correct, and we should be praying for the sick. But I'm just making a point that Jesus, in fact, never prayed for anybody to be healed. He never prayed for the sick. Well, how, how did he accomplish what he did? One way, and, and, and probably the, the, the most fundamental way that Jesus ministered to the sick was by the anointing that God had placed upon him. God gave Jesus a special healing anointing. He was anointed, we read it right here, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What kind of power? Who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Who anointed him? God the Father. God did it. So Jesus was anointed, especially anointed with with Holy Spirit given healing power. He had a tangible anointing that he operated in all the time. Well, why would he pray for the sick? He, had the, he didn't have to pray for the anointing to come because it was always there. He was anointed with it. He, was, he, he, had whole, he had healing power operating in him and so very often he just touched people and healed them. We'll look at some, some examples of that and then we'll look at another way he, he ministered to the sick. So Jesus ministered to the sick two ways. Number one, by ministering with the tangible healing anointing. Go with me to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him 
saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now notice, then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Notice, Jesus ministered to this man. He touched this, this leper and transmitted healing power that he was anointed with went out of his body and went into this man. He didn't pray for him. He just ministered the healing power that he was anointed with. If we go up over to verse 14, now we're gonna skip the centurion and come back to that. In chapter eight, verse 14, now when Jesus had come into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with a fever. Now notice, so he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose and served them. Can you visualize the scene? Jesus goes into to, to Peter's house and there's Peter's mother-in-law and she's sick. The Bible says she was laying down. She was sick. She had a, a very bad fever. And Jesus went over and touched her. And when he touched her, the fever left her. What happened? He was anointed with healing power. It was on him. And so when he touched her, the healing anointing that was in him went out of him, went into her and drove the fever right out of her body. Praise the Lord. Go with me to, uh, now if you go on down to the next verse, uh, verse 16 and, seven, when the e- 16 and 17, when the evening had come, they brought to him many who were uh, demon-possessed and so forth. Go over to Luke's version of this. And this is in Luke chapter 4. Because Luke gives them a little bit more information than Matthew does. And uh, now you'll notice in Luke four thirty-eight. You have Jesus ministering to the mother-in-law. And here it says that he rebuked the fever. But we also know that he not only rebuked it, he touched her as he rebuked it. Now look at verse 40. When the sun was setting, this is what's recorded in in, uh, Matthew's gospel, but this gives another detail. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them. Now notice, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. You see, by the contact of Jesus' hands on the sick people, healing power, that healing anointing that God gave him flowed out of him and flowed in to those people. And it drove the sickness. And if they had evil spirits, it would drive evil spirits out of them. So he ministered with that tangible anointing. Well, uh, if we're going to, well, let's, let's, go, let's look at one more. That's Luke 4. Go over to Luke 6, and we'll get this one real quick before we go further. Luke 6, verse 16. He came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people. From all Judea and Jerusalem, the previous account in chapter 4, it was just a a crowd of people from this one city. Here people came from Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. In other words, this was a large multitude. They came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases. Now, why did they come 
to be healed of their diseases. Why did they come to hear it? There must have been some, he must have had a reputation for healing the sick. He must have had a reputation. I'll tell you how he got that reputation in a minute. Those who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. The multitude, now we, we're all familiar with the woman with the issue of blood who came and touched Jesus' garment. We'll look at that in a minute too. But here an entire multitude I don't know how they managed to get to them. I, you know, I don't know how that worked. I don't know if the, we know in other places when the feeding of, of the multitudes, Jesus had his disciples to make everybody sit down in an organized fashion so they could be served. So I don't know if his, if his, you know, his, his, his disciples were acting as ushers and they organized people so they could come by and touch him. It doesn't say, but it says they all sought to touch him. Here, he didn't, so much touch them as they touching him. But you see, his entire being, his entire body was saturated with healing power. Why? Because God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with healing power. Why do, how do we know it was healing power? Because he went about doing good and healing. So God anointed, he had, he had a special anointing upon him that nobody else had. There wasn't anybody else in all of Galilee and all of Judea and all of the, of the seacoast and all of the areas around. There wasn't anyone else that, that had that kind of an anointing that was just on him. It was resident on him. And so these people, they just wanted to get up close to him and if they touched him, maybe they touched his back, maybe they touched his shoulder, maybe they touched his knees, who, who, however they could get to him. But as many as touched him, power went out and healed them all. Praise the Lord. That's one way Jesus ministered. Well, if we're going to do the works of Jesus, we're going to have to have that same thing working. Or else we're not going to do the same works he did. Now, the thing about it is not everybody is anointed like that. (laughs) It's pretty obvious. I, you've heard Brother Hagen's, Kenneth Hagen's uh, account, how in 1950, when the Lord appeared to him and, and gave him, he said, I've called you and I've given to you a special anointing to minister to the sick. Well, all of, of Brother Hagen's life, uh, he ministered when, now that, that anointing wasn't present all the time. It only came on him as the Spirit willed. Now, on Jesus, it was present all the time because he had the spirit without measure. Brother Hagen describes the anointing whenever he would pray and fast and, and, and prepare himself. When he would get into service, the healing anointing would come on him and he would minister to people by that anointing. And he said that sometimes if you had a large crowd, uh, his body would grow weak because the anointing just tires you out. And he said his body would grow weak and whenever he would get weak, 
because he was just mortal, you know. He said that that anointing would lift from him because it was hard to yield to the anointing when you got tired. The anointing would lift, and he would tell people in the healing life, maybe there were 20 more people waiting to be prayed for. They all came because they heard that Brother Hagen was anointed. And the reason, the reason they knew he was anointed is because he told them. Now, now, according to Brother Hagen, according to, 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 to his account, when Jesus appeared to him, now we know this is just testimony of one man. This is not in the Bible, but it's supported by the Bible. According to Brother Hagen, when Jesus appeared to him, he said, now I've given you this special anointing. He said, but you have to tell people that you're anointed. Tell them that, that you saw me, that I appeared to you, and that we talked. And that I laid the finger of each one of my hands in the palm, of the finger of my uh, right hand into the palm of each of your hands. And tell them what I told you, that I've given you a healing anointing. And he, he said, if they will believe it, then that healing anointing will go into them and affect a healing and a cure. If they don't believe it, they won't get anything. So he said, you have to tell them. So when Brother Hagen would, would, would go to meetings, he would tell people. God has given me, Jesus gave me a special anointing and whenever it comes on me, I'll minister to the sick. Well, that, his reputation got out. Well, is that scriptural? Well, go over to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four. Remember, we were gonna talk about something that happened in connection with the baptism, John's baptism. In Luke chapter three, we see in verses 21 and in, uh, 22 where Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. I'm talking about water baptism. And the spirit descended upon him bodily, in bodily form like a dove. So in, in chapter four, verse number one, it says, Jesus being filled with the spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the spirit into the wilderness. And then this first few verses there give the story about his temptation in the wilderness. Then in verse 14, it says, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. Well, what was that power? The power of the Spirit was, was the anointing that was upon him. Because when the Holy Spirit descended upon him, he became anointed. Now, he was anointed to do several things, but healing was one of them. He had a healing anointing. Now, notice it says, Jesus returned... Uh, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. So it, it's, it's saying that uh, when, he, when he returned to Galilee, and through all the surrounding regions, he taught in their synagogues. In other words, this was his, this was his custom. His custom was to go into the synagogues and minister, to teach. Well, what did he teach? So when he came to Nazareth, verse 16, where he had been brought up, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had, found the, uh, when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Glory to God. He has, and of course, he was reading from Isaiah, but he applied this to himself. In fact, he claimed this. He said in verse 21, today this, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he claimed what Isaiah was prophesying and, and predicting. He said, this is about me. 
And so he's taking this, uh, this word from Isaiah as something that's happened to him. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus is talking here, he's reading this. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim, or the older King James says, to preach deliverance to the captives. And recovery of sight to the blind. Now notice, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So he was telling them about his, his anointing. He said, I've been anointed to preach. I've been anointed to declare. And I've been anointed to set captives free. Well, he told people he was anointed. And then he demonstrated it. And the news got out. That he was anointed to heal the sick. Now, you can't prove this by the Bible, but you can't disprove it, and it makes sense. Kenneth Hagin said that when Jesus told him to tell people, he said, everywhere you go, you tell them about, I I appeared to you, I told you, I gave you healing anointed, and and I've told you to tell people, if they'll believe it and receive it, they'll be healed. Jesus went on to tell Brother Hagin, he said, What I preached in Nazareth, he said, I preached in every synagogue I went to. Every town I went into, I went into the synagogue. That was his custom. We just read it. It was his custom. It was an ordinary thing. He would go into the local synagogue and he would preach. His first message was from Isaiah 61, which we read right here. Now, you you can't prove that by the Bible, but you can't disprove it. But it makes perfect sense because Jesus here, when he, when he returned in the power of the Spirit, he taught in the synagogues. And the first example we have is he gave this lesson. So it's, it's reasonable to believe that he did this everywhere he went. Because the news got out. People were waiting on him. He told people that he was anointed. Well, they believed it. And when they came and and he touched them, that anointing went out of them. Or when they touched him, the anointing went out of them, out of him, and into them and healed him, healed people. Well, praise the Lord. Well, uh, not everybody is anointed. In Jesus's day, he was the only one anointed. If he was if he was in Capernaum, and you were in uh, some other place, you were in Jerusalem, you were just out of luck. Because you had to get where Jesus was so he could lay hands on you or you could touch him. Because that's the way he, he meant, that's one way. It's not the only way, but that's one way he ministered healing. Well, not everybody today is anointed like that. Some people are. Now, as a child, I grew up, there was a healing anointing in America uh, from 1947 to 1958. I was born in 1952. And I remember as just a, a, a little guy, I don't know how old I was, but I was very young. I remember going to uh, some of the big tent crusades. There, there were the, during this healing revival, people would go, these healing evangelists would go from city to city to city, and they'd put up these enormous tents. One evangelist had a tent that seated 20,000 people. And then another uh, evangelist, uh, decided he, he, was, he was in a competition with this man. He decided he was going to get a bigger tent. So he got one that would seat 22,000 people. But those, those were enormous tents. Can you imagine a tent? Huge tents. But there were, there were 
scores of evangelists, scores of evangelists that, that crisscrossed all over the country that had tents of 10,000. And five, those are still big tents. That's a big crowd, 10,000 people. I remember they would come to Jacksonville. I remember on two different occasions because I remember two different locations when I was real little. And I remember the, 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 the lot. I could go there today and tell you if they haven't built something on it. It might not look the same, but I know where it was because it was near our house. This uh, healing evangelist came and he set up this huge tent. I don't know how many people it seated, but it was a sea of people, thousands of people. And he was laying hands on people and he was ministering with a special healing anointing and people would come up because they believed it and he would minister to them. And if they, if they knew how to receive that healing, if they believed in it and responded, they would be healed. The problem was though, people didn't know how to keep their healing and they didn't know how to get healed after he left. So you had people dependent upon the healing events just like they were dependent upon Jesus. People followed him around. When they heard about him, they went to where he was because it wasn't happening anywhere else. Well, when the healing revival was going on in America, people would follow these healing evangelists all around. And I remember my parents took me to the crusade to be healed. I had a chronic uh, skin condition, a rash on my legs that I'd had, uh, I guess, since I was born. I had it all the time I remember, you know, growing up until I was about 14 or 15. But uh, it was there all the time. And I remember all the different medications, that ointments they put on it, and they wrapped my legs in plastic and did all kinds of weird stuff, you know. The doctors, you know, gave them these remedies. Nothing would cure it. And so my parents would, he, on, on, I know on two different occasions, they took me to the healing evangelist and, and had him lay hands on me. But you know what? I didn't get healed. Number one, my parents didn't know how to believe. They didn't know how to put their faith in that healing anointing. They were just trying something, I guess. And I never did get anything. A lot of people didn't get anything. But a lot of people got healed. The people who knew how to add their faith to it got healed. The people who didn't know how to use their faith didn't get healed. Well, it was the same way in Jesus' ministry. Remember Nazareth? It says there he could do no mighty work. Why? Because of their unbelief. Well, he was just anointed in Nazareth, in Nazareth as he was anywhere else. He, the, the anointing didn't leave him when he came back to his hometown. He was anointed. But the people didn't know how to tap into it. They didn't know how to exercise faith. And because of their unbelief, he couldn't do anything. Well, very often, even these, even these healing evangelists couldn't do anything. Well, God still anoints people with healing power. But the problem is, there are not that many people out there anointed with healing power. I'm talking about like this. I'm talking about being endowed with, with a special healing anointing. It's not that common. That's not the only way Jesus ministered to the sick. It's not the only way. Let's look at this. Go to uh, Matthew 8 again. Matthew 8. And let's look at 
verse number five. Now, when Jesus had entered, entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. Well, what was he going to do? Jesus was going to go and lay his hands on this centurion servant. That's what he meant when he said, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, I am so offended (laughs) that this man doesn't want me to come to his house and minister to his servant. No, that's not what he said. He commended the man. He said, I have not found such great faith, no, not even in Israel. So Jesus said to the centurion, verse 13, go your way. Now notice, and as you have believed, so be it done for you. Jesus didn't even go to his house, let alone did he not touch him. So he didn't minister to this, to this centurion servant with the anointing, with healing power anointing that he was anointed with. He didn't even go to his house. He ministered to this man by the word. He gave him the anointed word. Because you see, the word is also anointed. The word is anointed. The Bible says that whatever the word is that goes out of God's mouth, it will accomplish that which it's intended to accomplish. Jesus gave a healing word to the centurion and he believed that word and his servant was healed and Jesus didn't even touch him. Praise the Lord. Jesus Jesus didn't just minister with the healing anointing. He ministered with with the healing word, the anointed word. Go with me to Luke chapter 4. Excuse me, John chapter 4. John 4. We'll just read several of these real quick just so that you'll see it. John 4. And let's look at verse 46. So Jesus came again to... to, uh, Jesus came to Cana of Galilee, which he, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea to Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for his, he was at the point of death. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. And the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. And if you read the rest of it, his son was healed. All Jesus did was give him the anointed word. The, The word of God is anointed with healing power itself. There's healing power in the word. So Jesus spoke the word to him and what did he do? He believed the word. Glory to God. Look, go, go back to Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. Look at verse number 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. We know from uh, Matthew's gospel that it was, that it was uh, Jericho. He, met, he went into a certain village. There met him 10 men who were lepers 
who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Lord, uh, Jesus, have mercy. Jesus said to them, go your way, go show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. That means they were healed. Jesus gave them an instruction to follow that didn't seem to have anything to do with healing. He didn't wave a magic wand over them. He didn't touch them and say, go, you know, he, he didn't touch them. He didn't, he didn't touch them on it. He could have. He said, go show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. So when they returned, Jesus said to the, to the one that returned, rather, he said, arise, verse 19, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. You see, the healing word is full of faith. It's full of healing power and it's full of faith. And if you'll believe that word, in fact, this is the best way to receive healing. Receiving healing by the word is the best way. Now, that's not to discount people who have special healing anointings. The reason God anoints people with special healing power is because people uh, don't know how to believe. And God condescends. He, he comes down to meet people where they are. And the healing anointing, the, when, the, when the healing anointing is present, it's physical. I mean, it's a spiritual thing, but it manifests and people can feel it. They can feel that power. When the woman with the issue of blood, I said we would would read it, we'll just refer to it. When the woman who came with the issue of blood, when she touched the hem of of his garment, she felt that healing power come into her. She felt that she was healed and Jesus felt it. And he didn't, he wasn't even conscious that there was somebody touching him in faith, but he, 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 he sensed and perceived that healing power flowed out of him. Now notice this, she didn't even touch him, she just touched his clothes. Evidently that healing power saturated his clothes. But other people touched his clothes and they didn't get anything. This woman touched his clothes in faith. So even when the anointing, even when the healing anointing is in manifestation, there still has to be the touch of faith. But you can touch Jesus in faith and he's not even here. You can touch him by going to the anointed word, glory to God. Amen. Now, the re- I started to say the reason God anoints people this way is, is to bring it down on a level where people can access it more easily. Because in a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of way, the healing anointing, when someone's anointed with healing, with healing power, it's, it's, it's manifested in the flesh. I mean, it's manifested in the natural. It's in that person and it's tangible. They can feel it. They, they'll, they'll report to you that their hands are burning like a coal of fire. They can feel that anointing. And, and when it's real strong, when they touch people, people will go, whoo, I felt that. That anointing can be felt. And so it's easier to receive. God does the best he can to help people receive because it's easier to receive healing when that tangible anointing is present because you can feel it. But it's not the best way. It's not the highest way. It's It's really for people who don't know how to believe otherwise. They need to feel something. They need to see something. But Jesus said, remember, great faith. 
Here's a man with grace. He said, I've not found anybody with faith like this, not even in Israel. He had ministered to a lot of people in Israel. He had, he had touched a lot of people, and they believed that he was anointed. Because of their faith, healing went into them, but it wasn't like the faith of this, of, of this uh, centurion. He said, this is great faith. It takes a little more faith to believe in, in, in the healing word than it does the healing manifested uh, healing anointing because it's the healing anointing is in manifestation. You don't have to believe for it. It's just there. You just have to basically receive it. But you, you do have to do that in faith. And like I said, with my family, my family didn't know how to receive it. I don't think it was my fault because I was only like four. <laughs> so I don't think it was my fault. But, but, but the, the point is, when, that, when the healing power is in manifestation, you can receive it more readily. It takes a little bit more faith to believe the anointed word. But the good thing is, you can do it anytime. And it'll work anytime. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. We could, we could read there many other stories, the healing of the, uh, of the, uh, the paralytic let down through the roof, the healing with the, with the man with the withered hand, he didn't touch him. The Syrophoenician's daughter, he didn't touch her. Uh, blind Bartimaeus, he didn't touch him. So we see over and over and over again that people were healed without him touching them by believing the word. Glory to God. It'll work every time. I said it'll work every time. Why don't you stand up with me? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus. God is so good. Praise the Lord. Let me, let me read you something else. See if you believe this. Can you believe it? <laughs> In uh, Mark's gospel... Jesus said in the 16th chapter, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes what? The gospel. He just said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He who believes. So he's talking about believing the gospel. How many of you believe the gospel? What is the gospel? The gospel of salvation, that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, that he died for our sins, was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven. Amen. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now, this couldn't just be talking about a tangible anointing because not everybody has a tangible anointing. That comes as the Spirit wills and upon whom the Spirit wills. This is something that's available to everybody. So this couldn't be the tangible anointing. This has to be the anointed word. And this is the anointed word. What is that word? These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak. You can cast out demons just with the anointed word. Jesus did that too. Now, some people he laid his hands on, and that healing power went into them and also drove out demons. 
But other people that he cast out demons with his words. He just spoke. Well, that's what we do. These signs will follow those that believe. In, in my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. How many of you speak with new tongues? How many of you have cast out demons? Well, it's the same thing applies. Amen. They will take up serpents. How many snake handlers do we have? Well, there's not any Bible for that. Amen. The only Bible uh, uh, illustration we have is somebody accidentally took up a serpent. Besides that, it's really talk, just talking about taking authority over the devil. If, and, and if they drink anything deadly, if anybody, has anybody ever drank anything deadly? It's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> it's talking about poison, not the kind you're thinking about either. If they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Who will lay hands on the sick? Believers. They'll lay hands on the sick. See, now, this is laying on of hands, but this isn't ministering by the tangible anointing. This is laying hands on the sick as an, as an act of faith, as a point of contact. And it says they will recover. Do you believe that? At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.